Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and a special episode of the podcast filled with social media conversation, best practices, tips, tricks, and more. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and I'm joined today by nine leading turf pros, all of whom picked up a Super Social Media Award as part of our 10th annual GCI tweet-up presented by Aquatrolls. Dan Grogan of the Sagamore Club in Noblesville, Indiana, Jeff Sexton of Evansville Country Club in Evansville, Indiana, and Thad Thompson of Terry Hills Golf Course in Batavia, New York, all managed to blend work and life in entertaining and informative daily doses. They all received best Twitter feed honors, a three-way tie. Ryan Cummings of Elkona Country Club in Bristol, Indiana, and James Bledge of Royal Sinkports Golf Club in Deal, Kent, in the southeast corner of England, were both honored with best overall use of social media for excellency in blogging and videography, respectively. Elsewhere, internationally, Morgan Creighton, a rising assistant superintendent around Calgary, Alberta, was honored with the Best New Program Award for her continuing work building up the ever-expanding women in turf grass management. Golf course architect Trey Kemp, who recently joined Kimley Horn and Associates in Fort Worth, Texas, received top honors for best idea shared for his ongoing golf course aerial of the day series, which is a welcome burst of color and design in your Twitter feed. Longtime Florida turf pro and environmentalist W. Craig Wyant, superintendent at the Moorings at Hawk's Nest in Vero Beach, received the conservation award for his decades of earth-focused work in the Sunshine State. And turf legend Matt Schaefer, who retired in 2017 after a run at Marion Golf Club in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, took home Rookie of the Year after a spirited 2020 debut on Twitter and LinkedIn. He is proof that you are never too old to keep learning. These are expanded versions of the videos we published on our own Twitter and Facebook pages the last couple of weeks in advance of the tweet-up. Hope you enjoy them. Hope you learn a little bit. Up first, Matt Schaefer, after the break. David Robinson was 25 when he became the oldest player to win the NBA Rookie of the Year Award. Longtime Negro Leaguer Sam the Jet Jethro was almost 34 when he won the NL Rookie of the Year Award back in 1950. The late Frank McCourt was fast approaching his 67th birthday when he published his first book, The Pulitzer Prize Winning Angela's Ashes. And each of our last two U.S. presidents set the record for oldest commander-in-chief at the time of their inauguration. Matt Schaefer is in line with those veteran rookies. Now 68 and more than three years into retirement, longtime turf pro, he's right there, took to LinkedIn and Twitter last year. He has amassed considerable followings thanks to his regular lessons and tips. He is also only somewhat ironically our social media rookie of the year. Matt, congratulations. Oh, thank you. So before anything else, you are doing retirement properly. We hit on this right before we started recording. You split time between Florida and Pennsylvania. You're on the boat every day. It took us, I think, more than a week to track you down because you're out, I'm guessing, just fishing and enjoying the water every day. This is how to do retirement. Now, we also have an RV. I might rub uh, that in. So, 
<laughs> we uh, we travel pretty extensively in our RV and and meet lots of new people. I like to meet people. I'm a people person, so COVID was tough for me. Uh, I'm not a hibernation guy, and so I uh, just got we we got our two shots five or second shot five weeks ago. Cause, so this bear is coming out of hibernation, and proud to say that uh, I'm starting to work a little bit. Uh, making a few trips and uh, it's all good, real good. Congratulations on the vaccine. I look forward to following you in a few months whenever my turn is up. So the number one question for this, why turn to LinkedIn and Twitter now? There's the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks and you're not necessarily an old dog, but you have been in the industry a long time and here you are, you've taken to it like you've used it since you were a teenager. Well, it's a funny thing, you know, I used to, a uh, couple things. Uh, I wrote a newsletter at Marion. It was hugely popular. It's called Let's Talk Turf. It was on the last page of their newsletter. And lots of people told me it was the only thing they read. And then I would get emails from all over the world where the, our international members shared it with their superintendents. And then the longer I wrote it, I was there for 15 years. So, you know, I wrote over 180 of them. So, uh, I incorporated levity into them, which, you know, a lot of people liked and they found it amusing. And I talk about turf, my turf wife and, and you know, how on her, our uh, 40th anniversary, I bought her a zero turn mower and I know I'm the last great romantic, you know. So anyways, and people love that stuff. And then uh, when I retired, you know, I started working when I was 12 years old and grew up working on a dairy farm. And so, you know, I've been going to the barn when it was four o'clock, going to the golf course when it's 4.30. And then all of a sudden stopped cold turkey. I just didn't think that was probably good for my DNA. So I started a little company called Minimalistic Agronomic Techniques. And I came up with that clever name because the acronym is MAT. <laughs> so MAT by MAT. And so when I was completely senile, I could still remember the name of my company possibly. So anyways, when COVID hit, I had a good friend of mine tell me when I retired, if I was going to do something to go ahead and jump in right away because you only have a short shelf life. And so when COVID hit and I was off the road, I'm a brand ambassador for two companies and I'm going to start with another one very shortly, BioBoost and Anubia. I, uh, and I travel around and visit golf courses and share my insights and ideas and they buy product from me. It's euphoric, really. I get paid to speak. So uh, anyways, when I couldn't travel, I thought, well, you know, I'll be, I'll just be another old golf course superintendent. And I have some great friends, Pat Jones being one of them. And he said, buddy, I've been after you to write a book forever. Why don't you start writing and talking and sharing what you know. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, the average superintendent now is probably 40 and I'm 68. I don't really know if I'm relevant enough. And so I thought, I'll give it a test drive. I'll start, let's talk turf and life on LinkedIn. And that was a year ago and seems as though people like it and it's folksy. And so then Pat called me and said, you got to get on Twitter. Tyler Bloom was after me too. And I said, I don't know about that, you know I mean? I don't know if I, I don't know what, I just, you know, it's the unknown. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it. I told Pat, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And he said, oh, that's a defeatist attitude. 
which pissed me off. So I jumped in and it was like, man, when I jumped in, it was just like game on. I mean, I just, it was funny. You know, I mean, the things, just little things, not always, I don't feel compelled. I think a lot of people feel as though they have to tweet. I'm not really like that. I just, something I see and it comes into my head that I think is comical and people need a little levity in their life, I'll post it. And and then I found out people have a real curiosity about what they don't know, like championship golf, you know, and uh, so I'm doing a little mini series on championship golf. And then a uh, I'm doing another thing with uh, BioBoost. They're starting a website and I'm going to do something a lot different. I think there is, uh, I'm going to do a thing called Chat with Matt. And it's more about life and uh, down to dirty. And I just did one on stress. So uh, anyways, I don't know, man. I seem to be have a lot to write about, a lot to talk about. My wife says, you know, when my one buddy gets in the car with me and we travel together, she said, make sure you crack a window, otherwise you'll die of oxygen deprivation. So, uh, yeah, she's, I can get a lot of material just from her. But uh, no, so that's the long and the short of it. That's why I got started and it's been fun and uh, not very good at it. Pat's always showing I'm to post more pictures and, uh, and I don't, I'm not a picture guy, but I'm gonna start doing a few more. And, it's been fun. Well, the pictures for turf Twitter, it makes sense if you're on a course. Although I think a lot of people on turf Twitter wouldn't mind seeing your daily dispatches from the boat. Uh, what sort of feedback have you gotten over the last year or so uh, from a lot of those folks who are still in the industry, who are still on a course every day? Well, you know, it's funny about maybe about six weeks ago, I had this thing where, you know, I, I'm always cautious that I don't over oversaturate and wear out my welcome. You know, that would be just about as catastrophic as going dark, you know. So I posted this message on LinkedIn that it would have been a year since I'd written to everybody and perhaps it's time for somebody else to pick up the mantle and run with it. And, and I think that I'm going to sign off. I got, I got so many people said, please don't do that. We really enjoy reading your articles. They're lighthearted. They're quick. And they're fun to read. So, you know, I kept on going. And, and you know, what's really ironic is I don't really think about what I'm going to write. I do them every Monday morning unless Sunday I have an inspiration to write. And then I just, I haven't, haven't once sat down and thought, man, what am I going to write about this morning? Most of the mornings I'm thinking, wow, I wish I could write three articles this week, but I don't want to overdo it. So I'll jot them down on my phone and, and, uh, try to remember what I was thinking a week ago, which almost never works. But um, so, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, one thing's for sure when you're young and you're trying to figure out how to be successful in this profession, it doesn't hurt to hear from an old guy that lasted, you know, 47 years as a superintendent and really comes down to life balance and delegating and team building and you know, being a good agronomist. And it, it takes a lot to be a good golf course superintendent and being myopic on one area is, is catastrophic. So, you know, it's better to be a marginal guy at everything than an expert at one thing if you're a golf course superintendent. I am the poster child for that, you know. I'm not an Einstein by any stretch of the imagination, but I seem to have the ability to lead young people and 
and I love growing anything on the edge. So it was a perfect marriage for me. You mentioned a few minutes ago that this came out of the back page column from the magazine at Marianne, which I'm amazed, just a sign of the times that the club put out a monthly magazine for that long. That's incredible. Uh, there are not many monthly magazines out anymore, anywhere. And you wrote about 180 of those. And so you're not anywhere close to tapped out, I can imagine. But how long do you plan to keep on writing? Because the LinkedIn columns are great. And then the tweets are just, they're a welcome burst every time I see one. How long can you keep this up? Uh, my guess is until I just don't feel like I have good content, you know, because I'm not going to just, you know, if nobody's looking at it, what's the point? You know, and I'll be good with that. You know, I'm, I'm really in a great place in my life. You know, I'm in the backside of life and, you know, every day is precious. And my wife and I survived COVID. It was tough. I mean, I think it was easier for her. She's a golf course wife. So isolation isn't anything she's not accustomed to. And uh, it's uh, being a golf course superintendent's wife is the rawest deal in the world. You know, she said it's like being married to a college football coach only make a hell of a lot less money, you know, and, and when you're winning, the members love you. And when you're losing, they're just, you're like, a, you're, you're like a 24 hours away from getting hacked, you know? And so, and if you get fired, it's really tough to get back in, you know, I mean, there's a few that have done it, but the vast majority don't. So, you know, working with that kind of stress and not bringing it home is nearly impossible. So, takes a special gal to be a golf course superintendent's wife. No doubt about it. And anything else? So I don't know. I'll write as long as I have thoughts in my head, you know, and I mean, I've got a ton of thoughts. And then, you know, my life is fairly adventurous, I think. You know, I fish, I hunt, I, I backpack, we RV, we, you know, I still visit golf courses and you know, so there's an endless amount of information to be had out there. And then as long as people are interested in reading it, I'll keep on writing it. But once, you know, I think once, you know, LinkedIn goes from maybe 3,000 a week to 300, I'm done. You know, they'll tell you when they're sick of you, right? That's a solid weekly readership. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, some of my, I have a couple that are over 10,000. But they're way back, you know, they just keep reading them. I'll get uh, on LinkedIn, I'll say, oh my goodness, I read your article from back in uh, May of 2020. I'm like, what the frick did I write back in May of 2020? I mean, I don't even remember what I wrote last week. So, uh, so yeah, and that's another problem, you know, I wanna make sure I don't get redundant and I'm pretty sure I probably will, I, you know, because I just don't remember what I write all the time. So it's good. My biggest problem is, I think it's really cool about LinkedIn is it gives you a number count. So it's hard, you know, I mean, it's easy for me to write 500 words. It's hard for me to write 280. <laughs> so that's a cool challenge. But it's a good quick read, you know, people. Now I find myself that I can actually write articles in 160 words, which is pretty cool. I don't know what, it, what's a Twitter? Like 50, 70, 80 or what? Uh, Twitter is what, 280 characters. So if you figure, I don't know how long the average word is, say it's like four and a half, so that's five and a half characters. What's 280 divided by five and a half, 11? Uh, yeah, probably somewhere between 40, 45, 50, somewhere in there. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So that's, that's a lesson in itself, you know, and I don't have, 
Pat says, why don't you hashtag us? Because I don't have enough room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't. Run it out of space. It takes up character space. Plus, I'm a dinosaur. You know, I mean, it's a dinosaur, re- you know, walking in a modern world. So, Well, just remember, you can't hashtag a number, ever. They don't let you hashtag numbers. <laughs> I do know that. Yep. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to in 2021, Matt? Oh, I'm looking forward to getting back out on golf courses, seeing uh, my brothers and sisters growing grass. <laughs> and I like, you know, I mean, I've been out in the summertime. I never forget John Fowler and I travel a lot for green tracks. We were down in West Virginia visiting a golf course superintendent in August. Man, it was hot and it was tough and it had been dry and then it started to rain every day. And I walked out of the office and I said to him, man, did I ever look that bad in August? He said, brother, you never looked that good in August. So, you know, traveling with people like John Fowler and Jody Fitzpatrick with BioBoost and just getting to meet people from all over, different companies. You know, the, the business model for uh, Green Trex is, you know, we travel a lot with um, Harold's representatives, which are characters unto themselves. I mean, I don't know how they find those guys, but those guys, are, it's a lot of them could be stand-up comedians. So, and then we, they gather groups of superintendents for brunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we meet with all those and then go to a few of their key customers and then pack up our pots and pans and go to the next town. So, I mean, what's not fun about that? You know, and you learn so much from everybody, and then not to share that knowledge is just selfish, I think. So, uh, it, no, it's wonderful. I mean, golf course superintendents are really special. They're resourceful, innovative. Uh, positive thinking, high energy, dedicated individuals. Jesus, man, if you don't want to be around those people, you might as well just go ahead and buy the box and call the undertaker, you know? (laughs) Traveling service. It is. It's fun. And then when we camp, man, you want to meet America, go to campgrounds. I'm telling you, you'll see everything from Eddie to, you know, you know, Clark's cousin Eddie to you know the professor at MIT. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a it's an interesting group of individuals out there in America pounding around and learning to know them and their stories. It's just great. It's fun. Are you two KOA folks, or just we are? We're preferred members of KOA. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're impressed, aren't you? I am. I've never spent more than, I think, eight or nine nights at a KOA in a calendar year, so that's pretty good. Uh-huh. And then, you know, my wife and I, which is pretty interesting, my brother's an RVer, but he knows, like, if he's going on a 30-day trip, he can tell you where he's going to be on the 25th day. My wife and I are like a kite in a strong wind without a rope, so we're just flat, flitting around. My brother says, where are you? And I said, ah, we decided we were get down to Arizona. You know, and when did you decide that? When we were in Wisconsin, you know, so, and we don't, we don't even make reservations. So it's pretty critical that we have a smaller unit that we can tuck in anywhere, you know, but it's a hundred percent self-contained. So if we want to just park it in the desert and uh, just go ahead and RV, we can. Awesome. Well, Matt Schaefer, the super social media awards rookie of the year. 
at 68. Keep on going, keep on writing, and uh, you've got that audience. Hey, thank you so much. It's an honor to be a rookie at anything, <laughs> especially when you're 68. <laughs> Thad Thompson is the superintendent of Terry Hills Golf Course in Batavia, New York. Pay attention to his Twitter feed and you'll find out that he is a card-carrying member of Bill's Mafia, a backyard concert host for the up-and-coming metal band Invictra. Check them out on a recent episode of Off the Course. And a new dog dad to 13-week-old Lita. He's also one of the winners of our annual award for best Twitter feed. Give him a follow at Terry Hills Main. T-E-R-R-Y-H-I-L-L-S-M-A-I-N-T. Thad, congratulations. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, I don't know who in their right mind would nominate me, but at the same time, I, uh, I appreciate any support that's out there. I just kind of try to take a fun look at, at golf course maintenance and a lot of this stuff that affects me off the course. Maybe that's a little self-centered, but that's kind of the way I do it. I think that's part of what makes your feed so great is that you have those several themes running through. You have golf, of course. You also have that new pup who I'm hoping makes a cameo at some point. You have Invictra, your son's band. He's the drummer. You have some football. You have some beer mention. Do you have an overall social media strategy or is it just whatever comes up as the day goes along? Strategy? Look at me. Are you kidding? Keywords. No, it really <laughs> is... is... Anytime I tweet anything, it's it's not thought out or planned. It's it's a spur of the moment thing. But I think that's kind of, I mean, th those are the kind of feeds that I really like to to hear. If if I'm watching golf on a Sunday and something annoys me, I I might say something about it. But in in the same breath, throughout the course of a normal day on a golf course, if I see something that I really like or that's very encouraging to me, I'll I'll put it out there as well you do show a lot of the personal side of turf life as I mentioned just lots and lots of threads your your header photo is you at a backyard concert with a sleeveless invictra t-shirt it's great and it's it seems really healthy what tips do you have for turf pros who might need a little more help with that life work balance you're talking to the guy that didn't know what a life work balance was until about 10 years ago I mean, up until I got the job where I am now at Terry Hills, I was a seven day a week, uh, April 1st through November 1st kind of guy. Um, at Terry Hills, I was encouraged to take a day off uh, once a week because of, to avoid burnout. I, th I think they wanted to keep me. Um, but it, in, in the same breath, job always came first and if I could go back and do things differently, I certainly would. It took me um, making some life changes, let's say, meaning I, I got divorced, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, and was kind of forced to be with my kids every weekend. And that, that, that sounds way worse, I'm making it sound way worse than it was, but it was one of the biggest blessings I've ever had in my life. I thank God that's how that happened because me and my kids are, are tight. 
now. I mean, if, if you listen to the podcast we did, I think everybody can get the sense of that. But my goodness, it just, uh, it, it honestly was the best thing that ever happened to, you, happened to me for, for me and my kids' sake. So it was about that same time, uh, you said 10 years ago, eight years ago and change is when you came onto Twitter, maybe a coincidence, maybe not. You joined Twitter February of 2013. Yeah. Surprised to all of us. How have your tweets changed over that time? Do you think? Well, instead of, I think at the time I was trying to be crafting a tweet and trying to get a reaction or get a like or whatever. Um, I think now it's just come from being honest and being real. I mean, it, with everything on the golf course, uh, I tweet about my kids. I tweet about my dog. People either relate to it or they don't. But also during the golf season, I kind of get on ball marks. And I mean, that's really kind of of an organic thing that sometimes gets a hell of a reaction. And, you know, I, I'm talking a lot of times to my golfers or to the golfers. Um, and, and not to people in the business, but somehow it, it kind of relates to the people in the business now. So I think being real is, is really kind of, of where it's at. You even tweeted recently about, I guess it was a work vacation with your boss. Those were some enjoyable photos to look at. I wish that was there. Yeah, yeah I went down, uh, went down to my boss's condo uh, last week for five days and uh, it was it was nice and structured. The latest I slept in was six o'clock, and I think the latest I stayed up was probably nine fifteen. Uh, but we played four days of golf and went fishing one day. We we had a blast. It, it was a great time. And it was all put on on Twitter, so folks want to check it out. Roll back now a few weeks, but uh, it's all there. You are an open book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we're almost three full months now into 2021. What are you looking forward to the rest of this year? Could be turf, uh, could be life, could be music. You mentioned right before we started recording, you're going to a live concert, an Invictor concert in a couple of months, canines, football, beer. What, what, what's, what's really high on your list for this year? Well, you just, you, you kind of ran the gamut on oh, that that's one. Right. I love it. That's, <laughs> that's, exactly, that's, that's my life right there. I'm looking forward to getting a little little more back to normal. I can't wait to see the golfers again. I mean, every as we all know, 2020 was crazy last year golf-wise, and I hope that continues. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to starting to live life again. As you, as you mentioned, my son's band is playing, uh, he's going to play May 8th up at, a, they got their first gig that they've had since 2019 because of all this. Um, yeah, just get, just getting back to normal, I, I think, is priority number one. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a vaccine, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the second shot as well. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Well, if I, if I can get the J&J one, who knows? That's, that's a one-shotter, yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, Thad Thompson at Terry Hills up in uh, Batavia, New York. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And congratulations. Hey, thank you. I very, very much appreciate it, Matt. Trey Kemp is a golf course architect in the Dallas Metroplex and a familiar name to most folks in turf, 
His Twitter feed, also familiar to most folks in the industry. If you don't already follow him, check him out on Twitter at Trey Kemp, GCA, that is T-R-E-Y-K-E-M-P-G-C-A. And Trey, you're here today because your hashtag golf course aerial of the day is a staple in my feed and many others. Uh, it's earned you the award for best idea shared on social media. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's quite an, a surprise, but uh, a great honor, and I'm proud to have it. So um, it's been been a lot of fun the past year uh, with the golf course aerials, so hopefully I can keep finding more of them to, to post. The first question, simple question, how did you dream up an aerial photo of a course a day? What was the inspiration? Well, it I started it back when all the COVID um, stuff started probably almost a year ago, the end of March, um, just sitting at home, not, not really being able to go anywhere. And I, you know, I look at aerials, I'm kind of a big golf course dork in that sense. Um, so just looked at them anyway. And I thought, you know what, I'll just start posting a few of the courses that I like. I think it was getting close to, uh, when the masters was supposed to be. So I thought I'd, I'd post it since they weren't having the tournament and it just kind of, I got responses and responses. So it, it just kind of, kind of grew from there. It was nothing that I set out to, to continue for almost a year. It was just kind of a, a fun little thing just to, just to see what happened. And what have been some of the rewarding, unexpected, super fun reactions and responses and conversations that have come out of this series? Um, I just, it, it's fun getting to talk to other people who love golf and golf course design from all over the country that, you know, who I would usually not get to talk to. Um, there's, there's several people that post or answer, you know, every day within a couple minutes, which I, I find amazing. Um, it's hard for me to even go back and some of the courses I've worked on to recognize that, that an aerial. So it's pretty impressive that these guys can do that. But, um, you know, I think it, it just, it has spurred a little bit of a, a conversation and design and, you know, just looking at different courses and it's fun getting to see, you know, the comments, you know, if it's a Tom Doak or Gil Hans course, there's a comments, a ton of them, you know, and then if it's a lesser known old golf course that has a funky routing, then, you know, doesn't get as, as many comments. So it's, just, it's kind of interesting just seeing, seeing how that goes. I love that you have trouble sometimes recognizing courses that you have worked on over the years. Has it been that long? I know you've had a nice long storied career, but. It, it surprisingly, I, I've actually been at it for almost, I think 16 years now, which is, is hard for me to believe I'm, I'm getting pretty old. So, um, but yeah, no, most of the courses I've, I've worked on, I do recognize, but there has been a couple, like, you know, if I zoom in somewhere, I'm like, where, where in the world is that? But, oh, I've worked on that before. So. This might be a simple roll your eyes at me question, but you don't have a private plane, I'm assuming. You don't have a private pilot's license. You're not up in the air taking those photos yourself. Where are you getting a lot of these aerial photos? Um, over the years, I've found several good resources. Of, of course, the one most people know is Google Earth. Um, you can get a lot of good stuff there. Um, a company, NearMap, we use. Um, they produce really high-quality aerials and update, you know, mostly in the metropolitan areas, you know, a couple times a year. So that's, that's one way to get good up-to-date aerials. Also, um, through cities and metropolitan areas, they, they have their own, um, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's called, uh, 
North Texas COG, uh, Council of Governments. They produce aerials every year. So just kind of finding through the, through the country, there's usually local areas that have it or Google Earth uh, and their map. So that's kind of, kind of a roundabout answer, but there, there's several different, different ways to get them. You're resourceful. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to pick one or two or three or certainly maybe even favorites courses, but what are some of your favorite aerials? You know, not necessarily the favorite courses, but just the aerials that just said, I didn't think that would look like that from 15,000, 20,000 feet. Um, I'm kind of drawn to the, the Rainer McDonald Banks uh, aerials, just because of the geometric features and kind of how it's, you know, you look at it and it, Sometimes it, it's very abrupt looking and different. And just to me, it's very fascinating to look at. Um, probably, you know, Piping Rock or Rockville Links, um, Shore Acres, of course, Chicago Golf Club. Some of those are, to me, a lot of fun to look at. And just logistically, if you went one course a day without posting the same course twice, the lifespan of this project is about 40 years, somewhere between 14 and 16,000 courses in the U.S., some closed, some open, new ones will open before the project will end, but about 40 years. How long can you keep the whole project running? Uh, there's no way I can do it for 40 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, probably four or five months ago, I, I was about to post one, and then I was like, I wonder if I've posted this before. It seems familiar. So, I actually have started keeping a spreadsheet just so I, I do not post duplicates. Um, but so I think I'm at about 230 courses I've done so far. So I think, you know, I've probably got, you know, another couple hundred. And then after that, maybe I'll, I'll pass it off to you. You can take it over. Guy or me or, or somebody else. Sure. In, and you'll have to come up with another great idea uh, to get the best idea for <laughs> social media. Exactly, exactly. I'll have to start thinking about it now. That's right. Thanks so much. And congratulations again. The uh, best idea shared on social media. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Appreciate the honor. Ryan Cummings is the superintendent at Alcona Country Club in Elkhart County, Indiana. That's northern Indiana. He is also a father and a husband and a proud Purdue Boilermaker and a Chicago Cubs fan and a clumsy woodworker, his words, and a weather spotter and an amateur curler, which maybe we'll talk about on Off the Course sometime. For good measure, he's also one of the winners of our Best Overall Use of Social Media Award. You can check out his work at alconagroundsblog.wordpress.com and on Twitter at our Cummings with the G38. Ryan, congratulations. Well, thank you again, Matt. Uh, completely just out of the blue and uh, completely shocked when I uh, received word, but thank you very much on behalf of everyone, um, especially your publication, Aqua Trolls. Um, real cool, all the support you guys give our industry. And uh, again, it, just a, a big shock and surprise. So one of the things that you do just mentioned it, Elcona Grounds, that's with an S, groundsblog.wordpress.com. You still maintain this, and it's mm -hmm. about once a month. Now, blogs ramped up in the 90s, and I thought had faded away in the last few years. 
you're still going strong. What do you like about that format? Well, first of all, my wife just told me I'm a little slow. So uh, I'm probably just catching up with the 90s now and everything. So uh, get her in on that. But it's a great communication tool for our membership. I know when Greg, uh, my predecessor, Greg Schaefer, started it, um, oh, geez, 2008, 2009, I believe. Um, that's why he started it up with maybe educating some of our peers on some of the maybe different things that they might pick up on some ideas that they could take from Elkona. Um, there's a lot of smarter people out there doing some great things right now. So I kind of turned it when I got hired in 2014 to just more for our membership. And uh, the more, the more I kind of kept it going and everything, I started including uh, video linking YouTube into it or embedding YouTube into it. And then within the last year uh, with uh, got a, a drone to uh, play with uh, on and off the course, and I uh, can use that to further uh, highlight like our bunker renovation project we did last fall and uh, some of the other exciting things going on at the club. So our members enjoy it. Uh, the, the readership is growing more and more uh, each, each time I post something. And that's what keeps me going. Uh, the members talk about it. They love it and they learn from it and they actually listen to it. And uh, if, it's, if it's something maybe I suggest like a cart traffic issue or whatever, they, they, they at least uh, talk to me about it and they, they, they're aware of it. So um, our members love it. So why stop? You do have a lot of members. I know you said right before we started recording up about 5% last year and, and over 400 now. I am curious, the blog you mentioned now, more than a decade old, it preceded you. and You've been at Alcona for about seven years now. now you will be at Alcona for another 20 years. Is this something that might outlast you, elconagroundsblog.wordpress.com? Well, this is the second website that's hosted. It began on Blogger uh, when Blogger was a big deal. Um, I found that WordPress was a little easier to use, at least for someone slow like me. Um, so, um, but we changed over. But yeah, it, I, I hope it would outlast me. Um, again, it's just a great way that our membership learns that what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how it affects their daily visit out to Elkona. And so, uh, yeah, as long as they are, there are blog sites that can host blogs, we will be posting it, I hope. Now, you're also active on Twitter. It's a great Twitter follow. Again, R-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S 38 on Twitter. Folks don't already follow you. How do you approach Twitter? Is that an extension of the blog, or do you try to go for different areas there? Both work and life? Um, yeah, it's kind of an extension of the blog. I don't have too many members following me on Twitter. I actually have more on Facebook than Twitter, um, which is why I went back to Facebook a couple of years ago um, for a couple other reasons, too. But that's how I communicate, just what we're doing um, out here to our peers. I think I have 1,500 followers, which is just silly. I don't know why 1,500 people are interested in what I have to say, but it's just, it's my way of just expressing what I see out of my eyes every day on a daily basis. I always try to add a picture or a video of my dog running around. Bowser loves to display a hole and all the hard work that our staff does here and, uh, and our membership appreciates. And I just try to capture what I see out of my eyes on the film or picture or video um, for at least the, the, our industry, my peers, our peers to see. What have been some of your favorite interactions and also lessons learned over the last year or so uh, 
on Turf Twitter, the great sphere of Turf Twitter? Uh, turf Twitter, it's I've kind of focused more guys in my area. I think uh, guys and gals in my area, they're using Twitter more. And that's where I learned to kind of what's going on in our region, our little neck of the woods. And uh, I call it Amish country, but um, I follow a lot more Michigan guys now. Um, because I, I tend to think our management style with our polo greens and everything, it fits the climate in Michigan just a little more than maybe guys in Indiana or Ohio. Um, I've learned a lot from uh, Jesse Shaver at Gold Lake on how he approaches Twitter and uh, just how he, he has just a tremendous operation. So he's, he's been uh, a pretty solid influence on, on social media that I've learned from over the last few years. And I've got to know him personally as well as a friend. Um, a lot of the, uh, the EMs, the equipment managers are on Twitter. I know more and more of them are, 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 um, uh, getting out there and explaining what they're doing, uh, little ingenuity ideas that they have. And I've taken a few of those to our operation and improved our equipment or, uh, how we do things. So I think Twitter is still a very valuable tool for, for us as golf course superintendents and assistants. And I hope that continues. And you said you're still very active on Facebook. I have not had a Facebook in years, so I actually didn't even know you were on Facebook. But what, what do you get out of Facebook? Facebook, I started back a couple of years ago um, just to get in touch more, not with work-related, but just with uh, my family, my friends, my, my colleagues, my fraternity brothers, um, some of my high school buddies, just to get back engaged in their lives, see you know how they, they've grown over the years and just get to get back to knowing them and talking to them again. Cause um, you know, I kind of, to the point like you, I, I gave up Facebook years ago uh, just because I didn't understand it. And it was getting a lot of, there, there was a lot of just uh, stuff on there that it really, it was just getting a little toxic to me, if you will. And uh, so I went away for a few years, but just wanted to re-engage with uh, some old friends and I uh, gotten some turf heads on there that I, I kind of follow, see their personal lives. I think that's how a lot of, a lot of superintendents are using it um, to kind of share their family lives, how their kids are growing. And uh, that's what I use it for. And I also like to, you know, share food or, uh, or maybe some craft beer recipes and um, you know, just kind of just off the golf course, just, just learn about people off the, off the course or just catching up with friends. Morgan Creighton is the founder of Women in Turf Grass Management and, thanks to that, the winner of our award for best new program. You can follow Morgan on Twitter at Creighton, that's C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N underscore M-M. You can follow the program at Turf MGMT Women. Morgan, congratulations. Thank you very much, Matt. I really appreciate it. So on this International Women's Day, because we're recording this ahead of time. And when we're talking, it is International Women's Day. Very appropriate, but unplanned day for this conversation. What prompted the creation of the Women in Turf Grass Management Program? So I was lucky enough to be one of 50 women to go to Bears inaugural Women in Golf event in 2019 down in North Carolina. And when I was there, this was 50 women who most of which had never met each other and instantly feeling like you belong. Uh, there was an instant connectivity around everyone. And so when I left there, it's how do I continue this? How do I 
get all the women that I can find together so that everyone has the opportunity to feel what we felt during those two days. And so when I started it, it was, you know, thinking about those women that are enrolled in a turf grass post-secondary and that they might be the only female on their class. So let's, let's start there. Let's get them connected with some women in this industry. And it's, it's kind of just taken off from there. Fantastic. And especially in an industry where it's been a point of conversation for years now, but the numbers are still low single digits or low single percentage digits, I should say. Or let me start. Yeah. Low single digit percentage there. That's what I meant to say. Like it is, it is, you're one of 20 or you're one of 50 normally on a crew. One of the interesting things is, so at the conference that I held, uh, one of my speakers was Devin Carroll, who uh, is a PhD student at the University of Tennessee. And she did a research project on women in turf. And she came back with a number that women within the turf industry in North America make up two to 4%, whereas they make up 54% of the workforce. So the turf industry is drawing such a small percentage of over half of the workforce. So you are now almost a year and a half into the program. You've dived into some of the problems. Obviously, you are a woman in turf management yourself. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure aspirations of becoming not just an assistant, but a, a superintendent at some point here in the next few years. What are some of the biggest challenges? And the bigger question what happens moving forward? How, how do some of these numbers rise and, and how do we get more women in, in various turf management positions? So, uh, I mean, I think this is something that is talked about quite a bit, but you need to work on the culture of your workplace. Uh, if you don't have an inclusive environment, if you don't have a good culture, you're not going to gain people that are from all walks of life. You're going to gain your same run of the mill employee. So I think one thing that needs to be looked at is how are you putting yourself forward? How are you allowing your workforce to run? How are you allowing your staff to interact with each other? And I know you can't manage every interaction that your staff has, but if you're not creating that culture, that positive vibe, you're not going to get the same type of workforce that you could. So I think one of the biggest things is is focusing on that and you'll see more inclusive workforces from there. Have you seen any uptick or any anecdotal evidence from folks you've talked with folks you've worked with since launching the program in late 2019? Not really. Um, I'm, I've, I've put a few surveys out there just to see what people are seeing, but it all boils down to if they don't feel like they're being listened to, if they don't feel like they're being heard, they're not going to stay there and they might not even stay in the industry. I mean, if you have a bad enough experience, you don't, you want to wash yourself clean of that. So it, I really truly believe that it's boiling down to your culture. Because you launched this program in late 2019 and the Twitter account, again, Turf MGMT Women on Twitter, launched in February of last year, so barely a month before the pandemic. What were some of the unplanned hurdles and challenges that you dealt with? And, and maybe those are some of the reasons why it has been maybe a little uh, less wide-ranging, the impact so far that you would have, I'm sure, imagined. Well, one of, the, one of the biggest things was actually finding the women in this industry and being able to 
contact them. It took me four months to be able to find 84 women in Canada. And that's all I have found in Canada so far. I'm not saying that that's all of us, but that's all I've been able to find. And so I'm using a lot of the social media for people to reach out to me. And when I'm posting things to be able to have that reach put out so that I can find more women. And I'm slowly starting to open it up to the United States as well. Like I started the program just for Canada as I'm doing this all in my spare time. Uh, so now that I'm starting to open it up, I'm finding more women in Canada. So it's, I'll message this woman and it's like, oh, did you know that this person works here? And you know, it's creating that network from a different means. I don't know if you saw this, the news earlier today that Troy Flanagan at the Olympic Club, where the 76th US Women's Open will be hosted later this year, uh, has 50 outside volunteers. And the original plan was to have 31 women. I'm sure he would have taken more if, if more had applied. I think, unfortunately for folks north of the border, uh, there were some travel restrictions. And so the three Canadians who had applied are not able to make it. So the plan is somewhere between 25 and 28 women will be on the volunteer crew at the U.S. Women's Open here in May and June. That's going to help your numbers in terms of just like, oh, okay, so now I found 25 to 28 more people. And maybe some are already on the list. Yeah. Yeah, quite a few are on the list already, actually. There's a handful of them that we were at Bears uh, Golf Event in North Carolina. There's some people that applied that are part of my mentor program that unfortunately, because they are north of the border, we can't make it. But I'm trying to tap into all of those venues that I can to be able to develop my list and create this into something bigger than it is currently. And you mentioned it took about four months to get to 84 people. Now for, for comparison, Canada, about one-tenth the population of the United States. So it'd be the equivalent of about 840, 850 folks in America. Still not a huge number. Uh, what, what is that list at now, roughly, Morgan? Uh, it is just under 100, I believe, like 97 or 98. And that includes the 11 mentees that I have. So you are a full-time assistant superintendent. You are running this program in basically your spare time and you have 11 women who you are mentoring well so i'm not personally mentoring all of those women um that's part of the mentor program so when the students sign up to be a part of this program they get given a group of mentors that are there's four to six of them per group and they're from all facets of the industry so they're getting different backgrounds as that they can pull from for answers um, my main thing is to do the pairing. I ask bi-weekly questions to keep the conversation going and I monitor everything to make sure that everything's running smoothly, everyone's being positive and uplifting and that my vision is being upheld. So you're not as busy as I thought, but you're still pretty busy. Yes. <laughs> and I, I am lucky. I mean, the Glencoe has allowed me quite a bit of time to work on it at work. Uh, just as long as it's not interfering with the stuff that I need to get done for the club, I'm allowed a decent amount of time in the winter for that. That's awesome. And it has to be asked, we're into March of 2021. Hopefully the pandemic closer to the end than the beginning. It, it looks okay. It looks a little better. What's in the plans for uh, women in turf grass management in 2021? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that I'm working 
to create is golf events for the women in turf grass management. And uh, within our industry, you're not seeing a lot of golf events that are, have that women chapter within it. We have at a professional level, the PGA and the LPGA, but we're just not seeing that within our industry. So my goal is to work with the people that are putting on those events to start to create a women's chapter within those. I'm also looking at having two conferences a year, one in person and one online, just so that you can have that connectivity, that better networking in person. And it's not as strenuous on me to host two in-person conferences. And then just develop my the network further, start to add more women as I come across them, more students as I come across them, and just continue to build this. Awesome. We'll wish you all the best in those endeavors moving forward. And hopefully it's far, far bigger in 2021 and 2022 than you've already managed to build it so far. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate that. Jeff Sexton is the superintendent at Evansville Country Club and the face, quite literally, at least on Twitter, of the ECC Turf Care Center. His work on that account, a must follow for Turf Twitter if you don't already, is ECC Super 77. It's informative, it's entertaining, it is a light in my timeline and a lot of other timelines as well. It's also earned him our best Twitter feed award for 2021. Jeff, congratulations. Yeah, thanks for the award. It was quite uh, a treat to, uh, to to get an email from you guys and uh, be a recipient of this. I appreciate my peers nominating me. It's totally something that I didn't expect and really nothing I'm looking for, but uh, <laughs> it's nice. I have quite the following that is uh, learning a little bit about what we're doing here at Evansville Country Club. You have had some great news to share just this month on Twitter. You have a beautiful new clock for the first tee that just went up, I think last week or this week, a $210,000 maintenance facility update. First time that's been updated in almost three and a half decades uh, has to make you and other superintendents who follow you on Twitter pretty happy. Some nice news. Yeah. Very nice news for, for me and my staff and uh, uh, my green committee and the club is extremely excited to, to make some progress out here. One of the things that makes your feed stand out so much, I think, Jeff, is your use of photography and images. And it seems like a simple thing. Just have your phone, snap a picture, maybe do a screenshot if you're grabbing something off the internet. But just providing that visual can be so helpful. It can make folks stop for another couple seconds. Have you always been such a big user of imagery on social media? Yeah, you know, people today don't seem to want to read. And that's what the neat thing is about Twitter. They, they don't want to take the time to stop and read something long. So you just do a real quick synopsis of what you're doing to try and get the message across. But the visuals is really what, you know, allows people to see what you're doing. And I very seldom put anything on Twitter without some kind of visual. You know, Twitter is just a really neat tool for, for me and my operation to kind of set the mood for the day. But my ultimate goal is, you know, people tend to think that people might brag on Twitter. I don't look to do that. I really look to educate my membership as to where their money and their assets are going throughout the course of the day or the year for, for the club. And there are a lot of great photos of the course, those glamour shots, so to speak, but you have a lot of up close 
turf photos when you're testing, when you're, you know, just getting things ready, is your default just to go around with your phone with the camera and snap photos or, or are there other folks on your staff who take photos too? Typically I do that. Um, I'm a working superintendent. So the phone isn't just there for that reason. You know, it, it, it just comes out when it's necessary. I might drop the backpack blower for a few minutes to, you know, take a video or a shot of, of what we're doing to green verification or, you know, if I'm making a spray application, I'll, I'll stop what I'm doing and pull the phone out of my pocket and, and uh, take a quick photo or something. I may or may not do the, the Twitter post exactly then. I might wait an hour or so, but that's kind of how that works. And what have you learned about social media in general and Twitter in particular, especially over the last year or two, not necessarily just the pandemic stretch, but maybe 2019, 2020? Well, I think that's a great question, and I was hoping you would ask it, and I don't want this to sound wrong, but the thing that I've really learned and appreciated with social media and Twitter is that, like, the golf professionals of our operation stand in the golf shop, and they get to talk to people face-to-face and shake hands, and what social media has allowed me to do, and I know it has a lot of other superintendents, is it's kind of taken that membership that's maybe not involved and put yourself in the golf shop with them. So my social media feed is a way for me to become a familiar asset to the people that belong to the club, if that makes sense. Um, I call them kind of, and they're really great people. And I've learned, I'm starting to meet a lot of these people, but I kind of call them Twitter turf stalkers, if you will. So the people that like a tweet are the people that are already involved in the operation. So those kind of people mean a lot to me, but it's more of that person that's stalking the account and kind of just watching what you do is who you become closer to. And those are the people that the golf professionals see every day. And the golf course superintendent doesn't necessarily do that. So it's really rewarding when one of your members comes up to you and shakes your hand and says, hey, Jeff, how you doing? And you've never met the person, but they know you by your first and last name. And they know exactly what you did last Wednesday afternoon at noon. You know, you're getting the message across when you're, when you do it that way. You have about 11 or 1200 followers. And honestly, you should have a lot more. So if folks are watching this and you don't follow ECC Super 77. Go do that right now before anything else. But do you know what percentage of followers are members? What percentage of your followers are turf Twitter? And, and do you kind of try to accommodate one group more often than another? Or does it just kind of fall in line that you can accommodate both at the same time? I think I accommodate both at the same time. My number one priority is to really educate the membership. I can't answer how many people I have that belong here that follow me. Uh, I've never really looked into that detail, but I know it's a lot. Um, You know, it's kind of neat too. Another thing that I've learned with, we're actually getting members of the club because of what the work that they're seeing us doing. Really, Uh, on Twitter. Really good comments from a couple of my board of directors this year, especially that, They've had people wish that their superintendent would work this hard to educate them on social media um, because their superintendent just doesn't do it. So it's a huge tool that, you know, I I really encourage everybody to kind of try out. And uh, there's some really good guys out there that do a lot of neat work. And that's a relationship that's kind of neat that I've, 
I don't know a lot of those guys, but just direct messaging and talking to them has really helped me become a better superintendent. But my goal is to just educate my members. And in turn, that turns into conversation pieces to other industry people that uh, are just interested in what we're doing. And of course, I, I, re- I get the favor return to me all day, every day too, is to reaching out to, to guys that are really doing a lot of neat things. Here we are in 2021 and you are getting new members because of your work on Twitter. I don't think I've heard of that before from anywhere else. It doesn't surprise me. Pretty awesome news nonetheless. Yeah, it's always exciting to, to the superintendent. If, if, you know, we always want more people to come belong to our facilities. And if we can just be a small piece of that pie, uh, it's more power to everybody. So one other question, and this is this year, uh, a turf Twitter item. Normally it would be at GIS. You are a pretty proud Boilermaker, right? Absolutely. And I noticed at least one retweet about Purdue winning uh, the Turf Bowl this year. Pretty nice accomplishment for your alma mater. Absolutely. You know, Kale does a great job with that group of people up there. And, uh, you know, it's obviously just a real pride thing when the school that you went to and worked hard with and continue to support you know, develops that kind of a title nationwide. It was a, it was a really, really proud moment for me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see the kids coming out of that program and, uh, you know, the West Regional Turf Foundation, they just work really hard to support that group of kids and, uh, you know, help spread the word that Purdue just has a wonderful program here in the Midwest. And yeah, that was a really, really, really nice moment. Jeff, anything else before I let you go this morning, anything else that you want to pass along to your peers, your staff who might be watching just about uh, how they can use Twitter a little more effectively in 2021? Well, I just would encourage any superintendent that has maybe done it a little bit to give it a little bit, you know, set a goal for themselves. Yeah, it's easy to kind of get sucked in. You know, I don't follow people that you know, don't, that I don't see as a benefit to me as, as a superintendent here. Uh, you know, it's ultimately our goal to try to increase our reputation. I know GCSAs worked hard at that. And, you know, social media is just such a wonderful platform to reach out to millions of people around the countryside. I just would like to see superintendents continue to educate the golfing world as to what we do and how important we are to, to the facility. Well, Jeff Sexton, again, Evansville Country Club and one of the winners of our 2021 Best Twitter feed award. Congratulations. Hey, thanks for giving it to me. I appreciate it. James Bledge is the course and estates manager at Royal Sink Ports Golf Club in Kent Sandwich for American and Canadian friends. That is, of course, in England. According to his Twitter bio, you can find him at James Bledge, J-A-M-E-S-B-L-E-D-G-E. He is also the husband of Jenny, the father of human children, Fletcher and Jesse, and of Fox Red Lab children, Stevie and Susie. Oh, he's also one of two winners of our award for best overall use of social media. James, congratulations. And thanks. Thank so much. you very much. Thank you. That was a pleasant surprise. So, you have a great Twitter feed, and if folks don't follow you, again, at James Bledge, B-L-E-D, 
GE, the spelling of your last name. How has your social media use evolved over the last few years, would you say? Uh, well, I, going quickly from the start, I, when I started uh, work at Royal St. Ports in 2012, uh, I, wanted to, I started a blog uh, and I, I only I wanted to do that just to kind of document all the everything we were doing, like a diary for the members. It was mostly for the members. And then as time goes on, Twitter evolved. We were greenkeepers and tough managers were sharing ideas. And I think I joined that about six, six years ago or something. And then I started integrating a blog into that. And then it, it, it did turn into a lot more than that. As my job developed, uh, where I get more kind of saying the, the run of the whole golf club, it was, it was like a, not just... Uh, looking at agronomy or uh, what we're doing on the golf course, but how we promoted the golf course and the, 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 the golf course's name, whether that be for visitors coming in or any, anyone wishing to join our team in the future. And then the way it is now, I, like I was saying, I, I, I see it as a diary. I do love documenting my life. Uh, I don't want to be 70-year-old and then having forgotten everything that I've done. I want to be able to sit back in my my armchair with a beer and say, oh God, remember we did that. And it's, if you, if you do it on Twitter, it's on there forever. It'll never be taken down. And I think that's fantastic. And as I say, I, I love sharing ideas with, and stealing ideas mostly from uh, other, other people in the industry that I really respect. It's great to see what people are doing and, and sharing these. And I have loads of people get in touch, uh, asking questions, whether I put a video on. And it's not just members, uh, but other industry professionals and, it's good to answer these questions and yeah, we learn a lot from each other because of it. You take an idea from one person, that's stealing. You take an idea from lots of people, that's, that's just collaboration. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I think there's a, the golf course that we've, we've progressed is exactly that, you know, uh, and, and then sometimes these, uh, you meet so many new people on Twitter that's been one of the biggest things, actually. When I come across the GIS or when we're in Harrogate, I meet people on Twitter that, uh, for real, and it, that's it was pretty cool. Uh, like last year, I met Matthew Wharton, and uh, I've become become really good friends with him. Uh, and there's loads of loads of the American guys I really enjoy following. There's some fantastic ideas out there, and yeah, that's massive for me, really, and for the club as well. And because you are on the other side of the Atlantic and there is that five-hour time difference with the East Coast and eight hours with the West Coast, do you find you have more interaction with your British peers or with turf pros in the U.S. and Canada, guys like Matthew Wharton and, and other folks across the world? Uh, more in Britain because I don't think, I mean, everyone in Britain's heard of Royal St. Ports, really. Whereas in America, it's maybe not as... Not as well known. I mean, we've had the Open, etc. And some guys who really know golf have heard of the golf course. And I would love more people to to get into it and, and, and see what we're all about. But I, I would I would love to have more interaction with, with people in America. I really would. I'd love it to blow up a lot more. But we do get a lot of American visitors. Uh, but yeah, I definitely like to tap into that a lot more and uh, make make some more American friends through it. Along those same lines, what have you seen in especially Twitter, uh, not so much the blogs, but what sort of differences have you noticed, if any, between how superintendents in the U.S. and how greenkeepers, love that term, in uh, Europe kind of use social media? Uh, I, th I think we really are 
pretty up to date with, I mean, the Americans always known as being at the cutting edge of everything, but I, I think they're really clipping on the heels and I think we're really up to date with it. I, I think the standard across here is exceedingly high when it comes to posting and uh, communication. That's been the biggest, I mean, the biggest keyword really when it comes to social media for me. Uh, I think we're really, really good at it as a whole. I mean, there's a bunch of guys in, in, in Britain that are fantastic. Uh, so I'd say we're good neck and neck with, uh, when it comes to setting, setting the bars and the standards and revealing new things and new ideas. Uh, I, uh, it's super exciting, really. And you mentioned a few minutes ago, you take beautiful photos of the course and beautiful videos of the course. You also do a lot of personal stuff. You want this to be a diary of sorts. So there are some photos and videos of your family and, and those wonderful dogs of yours. Um, you've also in recent months started to use it for course openings. I think there was an apprenticeship uh, greenkeeper position you posted on there. There was a fundraiser you posted about. How else do you want to use social media in 2021? Well, I kind of... I try and split my social media into three things, really. I, I have Facebook as my kind of personal side with it. I try not to do too much work stuff on that. Uh, Instagram I use for just looking at photos of guitars and uh, et cetera, golf courses, uh, dogs, box red labradors. And Twitter is, I mainly 90% use that for work. Uh, and I, can, I think that's the way I would like to keep it. But uh, yeah, I mean, Going forward, as you say, like a diary, updates for members. I, I believe I don't want to annoy people with it. I don't want to be posting every single day uh, and just, I mean, trivial stuff. But, uh, I mean, that's why I, I put a lot of effort into making videos that I might post every quarter, so every season, spring, summer, or winter. Uh, I've just released one there that's probably taken me about I don't know, three, four months to do because I've taken it from everything all the way through the, the winter that we've been doing. Uh, so I, I'd like to keep on doing that, but I want to kind of push the envelope a little bit where I'd like to really improve on my video skills. I mean, they are very amateur. I've got a small drone and some Adobe software. Uh, time's an issue for me. You know, I like to, I've not really had time to sit down and really get into proper video editing like uh, like you see on Cookie Jar Golf or Eric Anders Lang or any of these really, really well put together films, which I think it's it, it's possible to do at home. You know, you don't need a fancy studio for that. You just need some good software and a good computer and some good good images. Uh, the content thing, I think I'm, I've not seen many people that, that, that do what we're doing just now with the, the video and the commentary. I think that's maybe where we've got the edge and it's something a little bit different and it'd be quite cool to see other, other people do that. But I need to move up, move on from that now to keep people's interest uh, and keep people engaged and not do the same stuff all the time. So whether or not we've got some ideas involving more of the staff and doing walkthrough machines, et cetera. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I need to kind of get the cogs going again and think about what we're going to do next. Anything else you're looking forward to in 2021? Uh, Getting back to playing golf or a game of golf. We've started, it's a bit of fun. We've started a nostalgia golf club between uh, five of my friends, and we've bought all the clubs that we used to own when, when in our 20s and our teens. Uh, so we're, I'm looking forward to getting out and, and playing them and getting down and playing some golf elsewhere. And seeing my family, I've not seen my family in two years, so that's been incredibly difficult. Uh, I think that's the big one, really. 
Uh, I should have mentioned that before the golf. <laughs> but yeah, now we're talking about golf, that's why. The beauty of video, uh, if, if it even survives into the final cut, uh, we can we can maybe move that around and so your family will. <laughs> yeah. Nah, nah, they, they, my parents will be down here soon enough, hopefully, and stuff. So it's, it's been it's been a hard year, but yeah. there's there's not been much positive to take out of it. But I think everything's ended up okay. If you follow the Sagamore Club Superintendent Dan Grogan on Twitter at Purdue Turfy, that's Purdue like the school, and Turfy, turf with a Y on the end, you'll know he's a proud father, evidenced by an adorable family photo at Disney World. You'll know he's a sports junkie, and you'll know he's a lover of anything and everything outdoors. You'll also know he has a heck of a fun Twitter feed. Dan Grogan is one of three winners this year of our Best Twitter Feed Award, nominated by Peers and other folks in the turf industry. Much, much deserved. Dan, congratulations. Thank you so much for the award. And uh, I guess the sign of the times being virtual kind of is what it is, but it's still exciting to accept the award. And I'm sure I'll get plenty of banter for it in the end. So thank you. Yeah. You promote the Sagamore Club and the course so well on Twitter, especially the increase in play uh, that you handled over the last season, like so many clubs. What sort of balance do you aim for in your feed between posts for members and posts for the rest of Turf Twitter? I guess I don't ever really think about the balance aspect as much as like, you know, if it's a good sunrise or a good sunset or the crew, you know, did a tremendous job with the project or um, I kind of just, it's just kind of ebb and flow. And if I feel like taking a picture, then um, I take one and uh, I think I upgraded to the 500 gigabyte iPhone or something a while back. So I've got plenty of space, so I guess there's no shortage between, you know, the family and the course, and um, I mean, I just feel like you can't take too many pictures, so um, share them when you get them, and try to share, you know, the capturing the moment with, you know, your with your audience on Twitter, so. You're out there. Non-exact science to the, to the shuffling around between the course and away from the course, so. I mean, if you, have, if you see a great photo, you're out there. You might as well take advantage of it and share Absolutely. It. Yep. You tend to be a bit of an open book on Twitter, too. There not, aren't a whole lot of limits that you place on yourself. But do you place any limits mentally? You're just like, yeah, I shouldn't put this. Uh, I shouldn't put that. Yeah, I mean, I try to, like I say, I try to keep it fun because there's, there's, there's obviously certain individuals, you know, not even just in our industry overall, you know, there seems like there's the avenues to complain about a wide array of things in life, not just work related, you know, it can be, you know, the, the P word in politics and whatnot. And I try to just keep everything, you know, even keel. If I mess up with something personally at, at home or at the course, you know, I try to make it fun and make fun of myself. And I know there's times where I'm going to post something and I've got some really good industry friends that I went to school with that I'm never going to hear the end of it. Um, so literally the moment I send it, I'm like watching my phone waiting for either a comment or a text being a little roasting of myself. So, you know, I, I, I want to say I necessarily have any limits. I just try to like make it, you know, stay professional, but at the same time, you know, there's a job and then you're, you know, the, the life at home, I just kind of blend the two worlds together. And, you know, if somebody can have a laugh at my expense, then, then so be it. So, and I know exactly the individual who's going to, know who I'm talking about when he sees this. So 
This is the video version of a subtweet. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are a second generation turf pro. Your dad, a longtime superintendent, he did that since before you were born. Uh, your uncle, also a longtime superintendent. Do you ever talk with them about how important social media is to your job today? Because obviously it was not when they right. were in the industry. Yeah, my dad, my dad is actually on Twitter, doesn't do a whole lot of, uh, every once in a while he'll like uh, something I post, but um, no, I mean, that's not really, I think he's on Facebook and he's, he's a pretty, I'd say he's a neophyte at best when it comes to that stuff. So, um, you know. I think it's just something he's evolved with and he's, he's, he's gotten on there and he's actually found avenues and, you know, whether it's, you know, turf pathologists or um, weed scientists for some people that he might not know that he needs an answer to. And he's done in a long time, but there's always going to be a, an opportunity where you might not know what something is or why something happened. So he's used it, I think for his benefit too, even being a dino, the dinosaur that he is. So sorry, dad. <laughs> he's not that old. No. What do you think you'll be tweeting about in 2021? Uh, well, the kids aren't going to be getting any younger, so they'll be uh, they'll be five and um, three here in 2021. Hopefully, we're tweeting more about you know the game itself and how it's. I don't know if I want 30,000 rounds again. I may be comfortable with like tw low 20s, but if it ends up being another 30,000 round year, then you know you just kind of take your lumps and you know do everything you can to present the course the best to your ability and um you know i'm hopeful that as we turn the corner from covid we can kind of get back to seeing more friends and family and just having more i want to say more normalcy but yeah we're we've missed the normal of just you know you're not worried about going to a restaurant or seeing your parents or wondering where they've been so i just hope that we can put this code behind us um and i think it's never going to be all the way behind us because you're just it's not um, but I think if we can just get back to some more normalcy, whether it's playing golf more with friends or just being able to hang out with some of your colleagues more, I think that's probably what I'm looking forward to the most. So friends and family, and, and hopefully I get to sneak in a few more rounds than I did last year. And if you have to handle 30,000 rounds again, I suppose there are worse problems to have. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There's always, there's going to be wear and tear from the game of golf, whether there's one golfer, a hundred or a thousand. I mean, it's, they're taking a club and they're, hitting the grass and making a divot or a ball mark. So, I mean, the damage with the game of golf, it's, it's unavoidable. Um, there just might be some, some nuances where we'll have to make some creative decisions to, to handle additional traffic if that's what it comes to. So that's why we're here. W. Craig Wyant is the longtime superintendent at the Moorings, Hawks Nest in Vero Beach, Florida. Fast approaching, I don't mean to age you here, Craig, 20 years there and 30 years as a superintendent. Congratulations on those big round milestones. You're also a Florida master naturalist and the winner of our 2021 Conservation Award. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Very honored. So you are... On social media, you're on Twitter, you post some great, great stuff, you have great, great conversations. Tell me a little bit about your origins on social media, whether it was Twitter or another platform for that. I had joined Twitter a long time ago, but 
wasn't really using it that much. And then as the computer age progressed, our club expanded and enhanced their website. Once the website was enhanced, um, I thought it would be a great way to communicate with the members that if I could post golf course information on Twitter and have it go right to the website. So everything that I post on Twitter goes right to the clubhouse's front page of the website. So it's always, I always try to make the information positive, informative, educational. A lot of our members and guests are not from Florida. Um, as a Florida master naturalist, part of what I've learned is how to share Florida's flora, fauna, and ecology with others. So it, it kind of kills two birds with one stone, if you will. So I, I get to tell the members about maintenance and what we're doing and what's going on, but also about wildlife and the golf course as well. And I am a dad of a four-year-old, so I do make dad jokes. When you say kill two birds with one stone, Florida Master Naturalist Conservation Award winner, you're not speaking literally <laughs> killing two birds with one stone. Most, most definitely it's figuratively. So, um, what are some of your favorite photos and posts over the years? You guys have such incredible wildlife in Florida. And as you said, the Florida corner, just, it's, it's like a different world in, in Florida, especially where you are in Vero Beach. It, it is, and I, we are truly where the tropics begin. So we get an overlapping of the Northern species and the tropical and subtropical species. So biodiversity is very, very rich in our area. Um, and a lot of times the things that I see and I look at on a daily basis may not be what a member has ever seen before. So one day I had a green anole jump on my arm as I was moving tea markers and I pulled the phone out of my pocket. And I took what I thought was a pretty neat picture of a green anole, which is a lizard on my arm and posted it. And I will post a little fact about a green anole and you know, where they are, where you can find them in nature, and just some fun facts about it. So that's, I, I think probably one of the biggest hits that I ever got was uh, moving tea markers. Again, I'd found a white grub on a tea, and there happened to be a tea marker right next to it. So I put the white grub up on the tea, took a photograph of it with only one caption, one word, four. So, a lot of people like that one. <laughs> I imagine. Any other, any other personal favorites uh, or really any favorite responses and interactions? The white grub for, that, that's pretty much a highlight. Uh, what, are, what are some of the other favorite responses and interactions over the years? I, I'm teased by my colleagues a lot um, about what I post. Um, you know, I've had people comment, hey, if you ever want to see a sunrise, just, just check out his Twitter feed because I'm Guaranteed for a sunrise picture every other day. Um, nothing really comes to mind as far as, you know, I, I'm always surprised that when I, I hear how many people that reached is that, you know, even the members have started to say, hey, I saw your picture the other day. And for the longest time, I, I didn't think it was being looked at at all. Big picture. 
how can Twitter and other social media help in the environmental and conservation movement? Is it a simply, is it, I'm sorry, we'll start that over. How can Twitter and other social media help in the environmental and conservation movements? Is it something as simple as taking these photos and sharing them and tweeting out fun facts or, or is it deeper than that, Craig? I'd, I'd say it definitely has to be deeper. Um, definitely starts with education um, and you know, possibly showing and helping others to enact change um, because it, it, it all starts at home. So if you can show what you're doing, you know, a lot of times that's how I use Twitter. If I see somebody else has got a problem and their neat solution, um, that's, that's some of the first places that I learned it. And I learned it from other superintendents and we're not worried about sharing information. Um, you know, somebody posted the other day, look at this new plug pusher I made for my, uh, cores. I'm, I, I'm, I'm all excited about pushing the cores off my green this year and I didn't buy anything. I, I made it myself. So, you know, and of course others will chime in. How did you make it? What did you do? Uh, you know, are your cores wet or dry? So it, it engages conversation and possibly that's what Twitter can do. Start with education and, and make people think. Such a collaborative online community for Twitter. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Anything else you want to highlight? Anything else you want to mention about Twitter, about conservation, environmentalism, anything in that realm, Craig? I'm just super surprised that um, I'm being recognized for this because all the time I don't think anybody's looking at what I post at all. <laughs> so um, to see that there's actually somebody out there that's noticed. Um, it, it, it's great and it, it, it says a lot to my teachers that have helped me out uh, to learn. Um, going through the Florida Master Naturalist program changed me and it made me a, a better superintendent, a better steward of the environment. Can't say enough for the program. My thanks again to Matt Schaefer, Craig Wyant, Trey Kemp, Morgan Creighton, James Bledge, Ryan Cummings, Thad Thompson, Jeff Sexton, and Dan Grogan for sharing some of their social media experience. My thanks to Aquatrolls for sponsoring the tweet-up for the 10th straight year. And my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network. New episodes of Beyond the Page, Greens with Envy, Off the Course, and the original Tartan Talks, right here, every Tuesday. Our April issue will be online next week. It includes a three-story cover package by the wildly talented Lee Carr, all about savvy environmental maintenance. You can read the whole issue online at www.golfcourseindustry.com magazine. If you want to hold out and read the physical copy, it'll be in your inboxes a little later this month. And you can read more industry news and notes in our Fast and Firm newsletter delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. Sign up online at www.golfcourseindustry.com. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me, Matt Lowell. Our columnists are incredible. Terry Buchan, Henry DeLosier, 
Bradley S. Klein, Tim Morrigan, and Matthew Wharton. We have some fantastic regular contributors, too. Tyler Bloom, Trent Bouts, Lee Carr, Ron Furlong, Judd Spicer, John Torsiello, Anthony Williams, and Rick Wolfel. Our publisher is Dave Zai. Our sales stars are Russ Warner and Andrew Hatfield. Jim Blaney designs the magazine. His family van needs a new transmission. Whew. Kate McCoy makes sure everything goes where it should. Averill Braden and Christina Warner make sure you all receive the magazine. Christina has been running our office March Madness pool, and Russ got a colonoscopy. He's also not winning the pool. Kelly Antle makes sure we all get paid. Michaela Dodrell handles advertising and production. Irene Sweeney does everything and more. Anna Kolar, Cody Minnick, Tom Bauman, Patrick Briand, and Aaron Schreider make up our IT team. Nick Adams, A.G. Alexander Garrett, Clark Quick, Jay Boyden, and Kevin Caslow are our online and video experts. Thomas Vidmar will start handling our classifieds next week. Our president is Chris Foster. He just added a snack basket and a drink fridge in the office. That's nice. Above all else, we couldn't do what we do without you. Thanks so much for listening. I said Georgia. Oh, Georgia. No peace I find. Just an old sweet song. Keeps Georgia on my mind.